problems and so on. We cannot do just the startup way. Now we have higher expectations to serve customers and so on. Got it. And my own definition is also pretty simple, not so original like yours, but uh, it's kind of having a predictable uh, business model. So the repeatable sales process that is, if possible, uh, profitable um, as well. And uh, which it will depend that there are some kind of uh, old definitions of, for instance, in the European Union, that it, it would need to have revenues of 1 million plus. Uh, but I think it's really about the um, scalability, predictability of the business model uh, itself. Perfect. And I think that we are almost live. Uh, welcome to our community. We, you are now attending to the Scale Up Valley uh, podcast. I'm your host today. I'm Mike. I'm one of the founders of Scale Up Valley. And today we'll be discussing how to leverage the big rocks to drive performance. And just to let you know, uh, if you want to watch all of the previous 65 or 66 episodes, just go to scaleupvalley.com uh, slash uh, community. Uh, we have some of the best tech companies in the world sharing their experiences, scaling up um, their teams. And uh, in order to discuss the, the topic today, how to leverage the big rocks to um, drive performance. We have our moderator, uh, Pedro Torres, uh, engineering director of TalkDesk, Javier Martinez, uh, co-founder and CTO of Signaturit, and Rui Costa, uh, CTO at Venium. So Pedro, words uh, back to you and uh, wish you both, wish you all uh, a great show and I'll be around. Um, so. Enjoy. Cool. Thank you so much. <clears throat> Actually, um, I would like to invite everyone that are uh, seeing us right now that if you have any question, um, I'm pretty sure that, uh, you know, if you reply to, to our Twitter or maybe even on Facebook, don't be shy. I'm more than happy to, to grab that question from the audience and, and, and ask Javier and, uh, and Rui. So if you want uh, to have something uh, answered, don't be shy. Anyway, so hi, everyone. Welcome to today's show. <clears throat> So we have Rui from Venium, so he's a neighbor, so he's here almost next to me in Porto. <laughs> I'm like 10 minutes walk. Uh, and then we have Javier a little bit longer. So definitely I wouldn't recommend walking. Uh, driving is much better or by plane since uh, Javier is in Barcelona. And um, so they are both CTOs. So we have actually two C-levels here with us. So that's actually pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> and, and so I think that we, we should start the show with our, with our usual um, introducing uh, questions. So the purpose right now is actually for the people that are listening to us to understand a little bit better what is Venium, you know, like the size and how can I relate to them and also from Signaturit. Um, so I don't know, uh, I think I maybe can start with you, Rui, um, to tell us. Um, so you're the CTO of the company. One thing that usually is very interesting is that the CTO in the well, the role of the CTO changes a lot, taking into consideration the company, right? So in some companies, you're like just a strategic role. In some, you actually code or just do code reviews. So I think it would be great for us to understand a little bit better what they are kind of your responsibilities inside of Venom. Um, and then obviously, if you could actually share with us the size of your engineering team, that would be very helpful too. 
Mm -hmm. Sure, absolutely. Hello, everyone. So my name is Rui Costa, Chief Technology Officer at Venium. And as Pedro was mentioning, the CTO role uh, is, I guess, very dependent on the company structure. So on, on, on our case specifically, so I'm responsible for the technology strategy and product development at Venium. Uh, and I'm also responsible for the teams that support the development. And this includes DevOps, QA, IT and security. Um, so historically, I've been with Venim since the very beginning, joined as, as an engineer, um, and then ended up being exposed to a number of challenges, both on the technology side, but also on the market, on the market side. And this somehow describes my role today here in the company uh, that bridges, again, the, the needs from the market and the strategic, uh, align, the strategic direction of the company with a deep technology understanding of what we are building and the type of challenge that, uh, challenges that we have when we deploy our software and product that I can explain in the following uh, sections. Um, or following questions. So in terms of the size of our engineering team, we are roughly 30 engineers in a company of 60. So this means that we are 50% of our uh, account is actually engineering team. Cool, very well. Thank you for that. Uh, Javier. Okay, first of all, hello, hello everybody. And, and thank you, Mike, for organizing this podcast with these great and talented people. Uh, super honored to be here. Uh, well, I'm the CTO of Signature It, no? uh, like, Rick, like Pedro Torres said, uh, it's a company, a startup based here in Barcelona. Uh, and well, as a CTO, I can say that I'm uh, responsible of three main points, uh, in my opinion. The first one is the tech strategy alignment with the product, uh, like Rick Costa said, no? with, the, with the business strategy. Uh, but also at the same time, I, 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 my responsibility is about the health of the engineering culture. Mm -hmm. uh, retaining people, uh, helping them, uh, recruiting new people, you know, uh, it's about, uh, I don't know, helping the engineers, the engineers to have vision about what, we're, what we are doing, how to do it, and, and this kind of stuff. And the third one, I can say that it's uh, supporting the rest of the departments of the company in tech-related issues, of course, trying to give them, uh, I don't know, uh, valuable input about the issues that they, they have and try to be helpful, no? And in terms of uh, the size of our engineering team, uh, we are like 24, 26 people uh, divided in different teams, like the 30% of the, of the company, it's, uh, it's for the engineering team. And yep, my, my, uh, my functions there are also the alignment of all of these people in terms of going somewhere, no? Give them some direction. Give them direction. <laughs> very yep. well, very well, Javier. Thank you for that. <clears throat> so I think that just for like, just to, to, to close introduct introductory um, questions, I think it would be very helpful also for us to understand a little bit better what Venium and, and Signaturit uh, do in the in the market, right? So what's, what's in, unique in your company? So what's your value proposition? Um, Javier, can you present um, Signaturit for us, please? Yeah, of course. Uh, we can say that Signaturit is, uh, well, we are a provider of technology uh, for document and contract management for, uh, I don't know, for small, uh, small lawyer offices and banks, insurance companies, and well, all the companies that need some legal, uh, you know, uh, legal background so we, we we give them a product to 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 complete this the, the workflows that they have very well um and Rui, uh, you have the challenge of explaining what venium does because i actually <laughs> venium it's not easy to explain so <laughs> i'm actually quite curious to hear your your explanation 
Sure. So the problem that we are solving is how to connect vehicles to the internet and also how to enable those to move massive amounts of data between themselves and, uh, and, the, and the cloud. And we do it by developing the software that we deploy both in the vehicles and in the cloud to enable all these services and to deliver the right level of quality of service, the right level of security. Um, that then enables these vehicles to be part of a, a, the internet of moving things uh, or part of a, an internet where the vehicles are actually connected 24-7 and moving uh, a lot of data and enabling new services in the all fields of mobility and automotive industry. Nice, nice. Very well. Good explanation. <clears throat> cool. So jumping now to the subject of today's session. So um, just like Mike said, um, how to leverage the big rocks to drive performance, right? So we all want to drive performance. So we were a startup before, we now are all scale-ups. We want to, to achieve more. Um, I don't think that there is a moment where you say, okay, so I think that we just scaled enough. So definitely we always want to push forward uh, and to have a better performance. Uh, definitely one thing that, that plays a big part on that is actually to have, you know, like tracking things, indicators, understanding where we are today, where do we want to, to be, right? Even um, there's a very, very famous uh, sentence that is, what, what, what you can't measure, you can't manage. Uh, I believe it was Peter Drucker that said it. <clears throat> so in terms of, um, of indicators, um, which indicators do you use, right? It's because we're talking about like, we have like the regular KPIs. We also have now like the new OKRs. So uh, uh, what, what do you do there in Benim? Yeah, so on our side, we mostly use KPIs uh, to, to track the, the development. And then when we want to, uh, to identify, I guess, the, the most important KPI for the company, we call it the critical number. Ah, okay. Cool. Very well. And, and what about you, Javier? Uh, in, our, in our case, I think that we are using a mix of KPIs and OKRs. Uh, it's depending of, of the things that we are trying to improve. Uh, in the management, I can, I can say that we are using mainly uh, KPIs, but while we are going to the engineering team, OKRs have a bigger, bigger impact, no? Yeah, I, I think it's just a matter of, of, of a different approach, right? Um, because at least in my opinion, so here at Talkdesk, we are using OKRs. Um, and and to, to be honest, OKRs is just like a, a structured way of using KPIs, because the idea here is objectives and key results, right? So you just, you know, you kind of have, you have a target, and what you need to do in order to get to that target. Um, and, and so it pretty much kind of it brings just a little bit more of structure so that you can actually see if you're getting closer to that goal or not. Um, that would be my, my take on the OKRs. Yeah, just to give some context about why we call the, the show the big rocks instead of the OKRs is that um, Signaturates and, and Benium are using a methodology called scaling up and uh, part of the of the framework uh, is inspired in the 10 Rockefeller habits and instead of calling them objectives and key results, we call them rocks and KPIs. So the idea is to figure out apart from what we want to achieve in a certain cycle or period of the company, what are the three big rocks for the company and then starting cascading it down. So it's very similar to OKRs with a different um, terminology, but I'd say the fundamentals are again the same. So which means to prioritize, to assure that we are not trying to do uh, too much, that we align on what is the most important and that, that everyone can uh, build up on, on those KPIs, um, what they need to do in their own teams and at the personal uh, level. 
No, absolutely, Mike. <clears throat> and actually, that's actually one uh, a brilliant segue that we have here because you are now kind of starting to mention a little bit the benefits for a company to to use indicators, regardless of the flavor of being OKRs or KPIs or whatever. Um, so definitely, uh, I believe that we have a lot of, of benefits <clears throat> because don't 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 be fooled, right? For us to have indicators, you need to invest time to create those indicators, uh, and you need to and you should live by them. Um, Javier, um, so do you, can you share with us, uh, so why did you start using uh, indicators? So when they were born was like in the very beginning, when did you kind of realize that you need them? And what are like the benefits that you see uh, since you started using them? Okay, uh, I think that indicators are needed since the beginning of the company. Uh, we, we were using indicators even without knowing the, the name, no? <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, conscious or of, of unconscious, you are using indicators or KRs or KPIs or whatever uh, to keep track of what you are doing and and to get focus and alignment for for the whole department. No, this is the main benefit of using OKRs, KPIs or whatever. No, the focus and the alignment that you have with the whole company and and that everybody knows uh, where you need to uh, put your efforts, right? Absolutely, absolutely. I couldn't agree more, Javier. Very well said. Um, what about you, Rui? What are what are your insights in terms of benefits? Do you have anything to add? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So actually, KPIs have been very present in Venim since the very first year. So, and uh, for the reasons that were presented here, so to get everyone around the same the same goal. And I remember again in the first year of the company, we actually set one KPI for the entire engineering team. Uh, that was the percentage of offload as measured by the amount of traffic that we would. Uh, not send over for GLT and send over uh, our technology to other networks. And this was the one KPI. And then everybody in the company, so the hardware teams, uh, embedded software and cloud, they were all figuring out how the hell are we going to improve that specific KPI. And this was, again, back in the days where the team was pretty much just engineering team. Um, and, uh, but this was present in terms of all all our, all our culture since the, very, since the very beginning. And then with time, we ended up introducing more KPIs for new processes, for new parts of our product, of our technology. So I guess it's, it's now a common terminology here that I cannot explain when they were introduced because for me, they've been part of, the, of Benny since the very beginning. No, actually, um, there is one, one very interesting thing that you said. It was about, you know, when you first created like the indicator, start using them, you just grabbed one, right? Because uh, I, I think that Mike can correct me here if I'm wrong, but one, one common pitfall of companies is when they establish too many KPIs, too many objectives. And then the problem is that usually the, you're establishing objectives, but you fall into this empty pattern of creating too many objectives. So... The thing that would help you to actually to focus will defocus you because it just created too much and there's so too many uh, battlefronts for you to to deal with. Um, do you agree, Mike? Completely, and um, and I think it's very common in scale-ups because uh, in a moment you are 20 or 30 people working together and you understand that there are some resources that you don't have, so you you can't be in all fights. And yeah. then you are 60 or 80 and it's the double of the size. So you feel that you can go to the double of the battles. <laughs> uh, so it's kind of counterintuitive to say, no, uh, now your ship, even to change direction, takes more time. You need yeah. to explain to much more people. So it gets slower and slower and slower. So if you are trying to do too many things, uh, the ship will not move forward. 
Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And, and definitely the size is something that plays a big part on that because what I usually say to, to my teams is, okay, so when you have like a small company, let's say you have a fishing boat and you're on the river, okay? <clears throat> and if you want to actually to change direction of that boat on the river, it's quite easy, right? Because it's a small boat, right? So it probably just takes you like a couple of seconds. Um, but as soon as you have, instead of a boat, a fishing boat, you have a battleship, now everything is completely different, right? And for you to move a battleship in the river, it takes some time, right? Because it takes a lot of maneuvers back and forth just to make sure that you actually turn that ship around. Uh, and that's pretty much what happens on scale-ups, right? So it, it takes time to change directions. Uh, and for so uh, the less directions you have and more focused you are, uh, I think that the, the probability of you to being successful, it's much higher. Um, and if you don't mind, I, I really would like to give my take on, on the benefits. So, well, both of you, so Javier and Rui, you, you talked about focus, you talked about alignment, you talked about creating a common goal. There are two more things that I really love about establishing indicators or objectives. And the first one is, and it's quite related with the alignment, it's this communication thing, right? Because as soon as you create like, like an objective or an indicator, it's pretty much natural that that communication is granted, right? Because everybody knows that this is something, right? So you almost get like communication for free as soon as you establish that that uh, that objective. Um, and the other thing that I really love, and that's probably like the, the, the most important thing to me, is actually it gives you the, the right to say no. And let me explain what I mean with that. And that is, okay, so our objective is to reach 1,000 customers, let's say this. Um, cool. So every time you receive some work or some ask or a task or a user story or something like that, I think that we, from that moment, we are entitled to ask the question, how does this piece of work contribute to my objective to get to the 1,000 customers? Because if it doesn't, then you have the right to say no. Like, no, we shouldn't do this. We should do more things that makes us closer to our objective. And that's when then the focus, the alignment, the common goal all comes in. Uh, and that's something that I really think it's very powerful because no matter what you want or you, will, you say, saying no is quite difficult. And actually indicators or objectives actually makes it much easier for us to say no when someone asks something that is not that important as other things. So that's my, my idea of the benefits of the, of the OKRs. And if I can build on that just very quickly. So the mm -hmm. one thing uh, I absolutely agree with you and also the other thing that comes from the fact that you have one, uh, only one KPI is that it doesn't curb creativity because then people will find different ways to get there, but the, everybody is going in the, same, in the same direction. So this actually challenges everyone, especially with, us, with engineering uh, companies the, <laughs> to figure out different ways to get to the very same goal. Um, and then it will allow us to say, or at least everyone will be forced to explain how is this uh, connected with the goal. And this helps a lot with communication and helps a lot with, with alignment. So for sure, this is something that uh, I've seen or we've seen here in the company. That's well. about the uh, accountability and the speed of learning by, by kind of tracking those metrics. Uh, and, uh, and sorry to kind of disturb your uh, amazing moderation, Pedro, but I think there is a, uh, regarding to those uh, KPIs, um, the BAG or the big area of the issues goal, the long-term, if we can measure the, that BAG, I think that the example of Venue in that case uh, is I would say a benchmark. And that's why I, I love to share with anyone who is trying to implement this because this gives a sense of purpose 
and the sense of accomplishment as we move yep. forward. Instead of just going from quarter to quarter, always going against our tail, and it seems that we are not getting anywhere. So the long-term number, if you could explain, Rui, what is in your case and how does it work? Mm -hmm. Sure. So the big area of the goal or BHAG uh, is again the our goal or where Venium wants to, to be in 10 to 15, 15 years. And this is a number that we publish in a very, very big numbers here in the office and it, that everyone in the company is aware of. Then what this serves is, uh, is to have an alignment to everything that we do in the company in, the, in a quarter by quarter vision and then in the early vision and, and three to five years and so on and so on. So we make this number very visible and also what we do and we try to do for every new project process for every new um, say methodology that we bring here is to assure that everyone's work or everyone's contribution in the company is tied to that specific goal. And, and this is like the, if there's a user story landing in someone's backlog, there is a way to trace that to a, to a feature then that is related with the team. The team is related with the goal that we have for this year. That goal is related with something that needs to happen in the next two to three years that is aligned with the big area of the goal that is our our, our, our mission or what we want to accomplish in 10 to 15 years in the company. So this is how we've been using that uh, methodology to make sure that there's alignment in everything that we do. And then to Pedro's point will allow us to say no uh, a lot of times. And actually the, the, the harder it, it is to say no, the better we know that we are making the right decisions. And that's what we've been learning right. ever, ever since we adopted the, the BAG and overall this methodology here in the company is that these decisions are really, really hard. But these are also the important decisions that will make sure that we as a company are focused and we are executing towards the same direction and that everybody uh, uh, is, has a buy-in and is aligned with what we are building as a company. Good, good. Very well. I just heard a lot of things that I really can relate to. Uh, one thing that I love that, uh, that I heard was uh, we've, we mentioned purpose. Um, and definitely, I think that indicators or OKRs, KPIs, you name it, they definitely contribute a lot for the purpose, right? For the common goal, uh, and and at least to me, one one thing that actually kind of you know I, I enjoy the purpose so much because the purpose is actually what makes you go forward and what makes you excel and give the extra mile, right? If we take a look to to then 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 pink uh, book drive the unsurprising truth about motivate what motivates us, and I, I mentioned this book quite often is that we have like three pillars of the intrinsic motivation. And obviously one of them is purpose, the one that we just mentioned, but we also have the mastery and the autonomy one. Uh, and this is actually what makes you kind of, you know, really give everything you've got and make sure that every single day you're at your best and, and pushing for the, uh, the objective. So yes, definitely indicators and purpose are something that go hand by hand. Very, very good. Um, and tell me one thing. So we talked a lot about the purpose and the benefits of the indicator. I think that's quite clear right now. Uh, and I see that we have, we have a lot of passion in common regarding those. Um, so how do you establish those, those KPIs? Because I also heard about, you know, like commitment from teams or it was not commitment. It was a, a similar um, uh, word like that. Okay. So we have like the buy-in from the teams. We want everyone to, you know, to, to march towards the same goal. Um, but how do you define those, those, those indicators? So let's say the CEO defines the indicator and then the teams define how they can contribute to that indicator. Do you have indicators up to the team level? Um, so how does it work? Because again, we have so many flavors that I don't believe there are rights and wrongs. I believe there are things that work better and not that much well uh, in companies. But again, it really depends on the context, right? Um, so, so Javier, um, 
in terms of, of Signaturit, uh, how do you work with this uh, with these indicators? Do you have indicators per team? Uh, how do you establish them? Is it like annually? It's quarterly? How does it work for you? I can say in the management, uh, we establish the indicators for uh, yearly, and then we review them quarterly. Okay. Uh -huh. And then we try to share, uh, I don't know, the, the product vision to the whole team, to the engineering team, and establish the indicators needed for getting in the quarterly, uh, in the quarterly objectives. Uh, we try to, to work on them in, in the engineering team, no? setting the new uh, OKRs or, or indicators for the engineering team, but related with the management. Uh, I don't know if it's, if I can, uh, if you no, understand. No, no. Yes, no, absolutely. And tell me one thing, and just just one last question on, on top of that is, so do you feel that uh, when people, you know, when they are contributing to those indicators, uh, do you think that people usually see this as like a wasting of, of their time? Or do you believe that actually your team understands perfectly the value behind that? And so you see that everyone's actually very happy and eager to contribute to, to the creation of those indicators? Yeah, I think that the people, it's very uh, comfortable with this indicator. No? They, they know exactly why these indicators are, are established and, and they are con they concerned about how to improve these indicators or, or the results of these indicators. Uh, the team is it's, it's, it's wonderful in that, in that sense. No? Uh, they accept the indicators and they contribute with other indicators. Uh, so, uh, yep, it's, it's aligned. It's, it's it's again no the alignment alignment of the team no yes yes absolutely it all comes together <laughs> very well <laughs> what about what about you Rui what's your take yeah. on that yeah so on our case again I've mentioned that we have this big area dishes goal and that what we normally do on a yearly basis we set what are the goals that what the things that need to happen this year for us to get closer to that uh, ten to fifteen years. Uh, goal and then from that we derive a couple a couple initiatives and overall the the name of the process of the name of the initiative that covers all this is called strategy to action so mm -hmm. the the strategy to action process what we'll do is then on a quarterly basis the, identify what are the rocks so the main things that we need to accomplish in that quarter that will get us closer to the yearly goal that then therefore will get us closer to the to the to the company's mission and then that's what drives uh, uh, alignment across the teams. So we use this not, not for the things that are related with engineering, like the roadmap and so on and so on. We do this to do initiatives that we all as a company need to achieve. Uh, and this, this, this uh, throughout time, this has evolved. Sometimes in the past, it was about improving our hiring process. Uh, others was about, again, communication between teams and making sure that the, the dependencies were well-tracked and so on. So these are the rocks that throughout the growth of Venium, we've been identifying and use this process that gets evaluated on a quarterly basis um, that we've used to get direction. And then specifically about KPIs. This process has KPIs, so there is the critical number every quarter that we that we track, uh, and then of course we we uh, reevaluate those on on a quarterly basis. But we um, check the progress on a weekly basis. So every every team that during their weekly uh, meetings and sometimes during their daily huddles, they look at the number, they look at the process of the KPI, and then they use that to foster communication and see where what they can do in order to uh, either get match the KPI or sometimes over deliver on the KPI. Very well. Um, so now I have a, an interesting question for you. Uh, it's not, uh, so it's a, a debatable one. Okay, so fasten your seatbelts on this. Um, so, you know, when you have indicators uh, and obviously you want to track progress, you want to understand where you are. Um, I think that we have a, like at least two uh, different school of thoughts on this. Uh, 
So we, ha we have one school of thought that says, okay, so we have indicators, indicators are indicators, uh, and performance reviews, you know, salaries, bonuses, and all of that, they are not attached in any shape or form to those. Okay, and that's one school of thought here. And then we have also another school of thought is, hey, you know what? Yes, it's true. Um, indicators are indicators, but at the very end of the day, if we reach those indicators, then we get the, some sort of compensation, you know, regardless of being a promotion, salary, being bonus, if it's like two weeks of vacation in the Bahamas, I don't know. Um, but you have these very two different two school of thoughts, right? One that attaches you in some way to your performance, to your compensation, to the money that you take home. Another one that is just for the drive and, and for the sake of focus. Who um, do you want to share um, what's happening with, uh, with Venium? Or I don't know if you would prefer to share just like your personal view and take on that. Um, I'm quite curious. So I think it's both, right? So my personal view is also what we are doing here in the company. So um, the KPIs, we use them as a guiding principle for the compensation, but it's not a perfect match. So uh, ah. of course, the, the KPIs are an indicator and, and they measure progress. The issue with just mapping salary and bonuses with specifically with the KPIs is that it puts a lot of uh, weight on the on the KPIs we defined and so on and so on. And this doesn't quite work for us as a company because we are learning every week and there's new data that comes uh, every week that we have to deal with. So we use the KPIs as an indicator and then there are a, a, a number of other things that we consider for the compensation, namely, uh, for example, the adoption of the company core values and the usage of the company core values, uh, the ability to communicate in a crisp, concise way. So yes, they are there, but it's not a strict uh, uh, comparison. We can, so just to give you a very clear example, we can give, let's say a bonus or a salary increase to someone that didn't um, deliver on the KPIs, but for example, was outstanding in, in solving specific problems uh, in the company or demonstrated a lot of potential, maybe in a different area that was not the same uh, about, um, the, uh, that was being tracked on the KPIs. So I guess I'm between the two schools of thought if you want, but uh, yeah. uh, I think- It's the third, it's the third. <laughs> it's the third, or I don't know, but maybe this is something that we have to deal with, uh, with this, the type of pace that we have uh, at Venium, that we have new data every week and we have to deal with this flexibility, but at the same time, we need to make sure that everybody knows how they are being evaluated. So there's this blend in between. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, very well. Um, Maybe, uh, Pedro, if you allow yes, me, Mike. I would just sure. add to something important there, not regarding the compensation, but the celebration. So every single quarter kind of um, doing something together that, again, might not be related with the compensation, but doing something together, symbolic, like a dinner or a party, whatever it is, to celebrate that you have learned or that you have achieved uh, a certain milestone. I think that it creates a lot of a sense of, of team and of accomplishment. And, and they have to be very open. That's the part that we don't do that well. Uh, so we, we, have, we get these accomplishments because the type of speed and the traction that we have in the market, we are forced to then go to the next thing. And we've been failing to celebrate I guess the great achievements that Venium has been having in the past couple of months because of this speed. But this is something that the team actually identified as one action to improve. Uh, and it's easy to throw parties. So I guess that's going to be a, <laughs> a, something easy to implement. Very well. Um, Javier, what about yeah, you? In my, in my case, no, the celebrations, like Mike said, uh, yeah, this is something that the, the team is doing uh, a, a lot of times, no? With you, when, when you launch new features, this kind of, of celebrations, no? But related with the indicators, uh, well, the compensation from, of individuals is not related with, with indicators in, in our case, no? Uh, or, or, or indicators or KPIs or KRs, they are related with 
with, uh, I don't know, product evolution, product improvement, something that the team has the, the responsibility, okay? So we, we believe that indicators uh, or linking the indicators with the, with the compensation of individuals is not fair, no? So yeah, yeah. we have celebrations for all these, uh, but not related with the salary, with, uh, with the bonus and this kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Yep. So for, for, for this, we have some others, some other activities, but not for this one. No, good, good. Because, because it's a responsibility of the, of the team. It's an objective for the whole team to, to reach to these indicators. No, no, I, I agree with you. Uh, because one thing that I really love is that teams can define their own uh, indicators. Okay, because uh, I believe that you should have like master indicators and then you need to go to each team and say, hey, how, how can you contribute? How can you create indicators that are going to contribute to the master indicators? Um, and that's something that usually when you don't have like the money on the middle of things, I think that you can actually have much more uh, genuine and, uh, you know, and maybe risky or stretched uh, goals that when you have like money on the middle of things, I don't believe that that the there, are, there is a lot of benefit on that. Uh, and also because I, I think it was Google, if I'm not mistaken, that ca I kind of, of record that is that, so if you have like very strict indicators and money is in the middle of that, what's going to happen is that you're just going to follow those indicators, but pretty much blindly, you know? Uh, and, what, and although with indicators, you really want to shape behaviors, you don't want to put people with like, you know, like this, and that you don't actually go just a little bit to the side or so to help a fellow colleague or something like that, because again, you're just following that carrot. Um, so having indicators completely attached with money is usually something that I don't enjoy. And again, and, and going back to that book that I've mentioned, you know, the for Dan Pink's uh, Drive, he actually kind of, he mentions that when you have money on the middle of cognitive tasks, um, usually you actually underperform because you're too stressed because you you have your eye on the prize uh, so now i think that the challenge is how can you make people want to get to those indicators but not with that carrot being you know like a bag of cash you know it, sh it should be something a little bit different and that's why we've mentioned you know the purpose you know and kind of making sure that we as a team we share a common goal we want to get there because we want the celebration just like mike mike mentioned and that we actually kind of you know have that sense of self-achievement of, of accomplishment and being successful because obviously that's almost that that, that thing that you, as soon as you experience you want more and more you want to be more successful and you want to celebrate more and achieve more and usually one thing then leads to the other and you actually kind of get into a very positive trend um yes that's 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 my take on that yeah. um, as you said pedro uh in, in that sense if the people it's focused only on an indicator they are worried about this indicator uh, they are not going to do a lot of other stuff that they are doing in daily basis you yeah. know in the engineering for example they are doing well well too much i, I can say you know they are doing <laughs> A lot of things, a lot of different things. Not all of them uh, have indicators for it, okay? Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, this is this, this cannot be done for, for them. This is a different methodology. You need to I agree. to a different methodology for them because, uh, well... Uh, to be honest, there is actually one sentence that I really love that usually I apply on this, that is, don't blindly follow. Yep. And that usually says a lot. Uh, Mike, you were saying? Yeah, that's uh, we could have an entire episode about having individuals or not having individual uh, KPIs. Ooh. And I think, again, we have a <laughs> different school of thoughts there. 
and an hybrid uh, school of thought. <laughs> no, yeah. absolutely. Mike, I, I think you, you need to go to other department in, in terms of individual <laughs> individual indicators. <laughs> no? Not for engineering. Agreed, yeah. agreed. But I guess the one thing that I, and I may be stretching here, but that makes common to all of our companies is that what makes a difference is the fact that we are delivering software with quality, but at the same time, we're flexible. So sometimes we define KPIs really, really well, but we have to adjust to a fast-paced market, all of us. Uh, and this is also what sets us apart from, I would say, more corporate approaches to the very same problems we're tackling, is the fact that, yes, we have some structures that provide uh, organization-wide alignment, but at the same time, we need to have some space to be flexible, to, to quickly adapt or adjust or deprecate a specific KPI. And I guess that's what makes us a difference. That's what, that it's what allows us to actually move faster uh, in the different markets that we are exploring today. And that's what, our, what those corporates are now starving to learn from scale-ups and startups, how they do this. And, uh, and now almost having startups and scale-ups teach them uh, how to run organizations like that. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Guys, I'm going to be honest, so I'm having a blast in this session. Uh, unfortunately, our time is almost up, uh, and I can't close the session uh, without asking my, my last question that usually is like the most interesting one, um, because it's very, very agnostic of the, of the subject, and usually it's like, you know, that nugget that you people are waiting for. Um, and the thing is that usually, you know, probably you can get this sort of nugget when you're in the bar with a with another company, probably, you know, on some sort of session or so, or in a networking session. Uh, usually I really like to close the session with the following question. That is one engineering advice uh, for any startup uh, that is listening to us and has the ambition to scale, you know, to get to the size of a Venium or Signaturit. Um, so if you could only say one, one tip that you really wish you knew like a couple of years ago, what would that be? Um, so Javier, do you want to, to go first with your advice? Uh, just one, just one. Uh, for me, the most important one. I think that we are, we all, all of us have the same challenge in terms of, of people of hiring. Mm -hmm. you know? uh, in my case, for example, the, the main advice that I can give you, it's uh, hire slowly, very slowly, and be sure about the people that you get on board but when, when these people is on board, uh, trust them. You know, trust them since the beginning. You are going to, to save a, a, a lot of time, a lot of headaches, uh, a lot of everything, <laughs> everything bad. So uh, trust the people that, that you are onboarding on your company. And yeah, this is the, the most important thing that I have learned with these years. And you went there with the core value of Signaturate, right? Trust. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> to, to be entirely honest, one thing that I usually say is, you know, hire brilliant people and get out of their way. And, and you, you can only do that if you trust them. Because again, usually what I say is, if you have a very thorough recruitment process and you trust in your process, then you really need to give the autonomy and, and trust to, to the people that you hire, right? Because otherwise you don't need a, a thorough recruitment process. You just hire anyone else and you just micromanage him. So absolutely, Javier, I really love the, that advice. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Um, Rui, what's your I guess on my side, I will give one advice related with processes because we've talked about a lot about those today. And the one advice is really for every single company to use the process that is right 
for your company and the people in your company. And um, I've seen many companies struggling with trying to implement one size fits all processes from the book, by the book uh, in their organizations, but they miss uh, the point of understanding what are the true needs uh, of their business and also how that process impacts the culture of the company. So there are great best practices out there, many tech blogs and blogs that uh, explain great processes that I guess all of us, we've read about those, but uh, my recommendation is not to use those as blueprints, but mostly as uh, uh, inspirations for the decisions you make on day to day and what then it's right for you to implement in your own company. Okay. Brilliant. Very well. Very good. Um, so guys, it's, I think that's it. Uh, time's up. It was a brilliant session, at least in my opinion. Uh, but I, I will let Mike uh, give his opinion and then close the session. Uh, so Mike, back to you. But before closing the session, we also want to learn from you. What advice would you give to a promising ah, Damn, I was not expecting that. Um, <laughs> I had plenty of... <laughs> so let's... Uh, let me share with the audience. Pedro, behind the scenes, was creating a lot of pressure because we have our brilliant regular <laughs> host here. And now <laughs> I'm kind of challenging him back. <laughs> no, no, look. Fair enough, fair enough. Totally fair. I was not I'm expecting joking. that. Um, so I... So I usually don't give an advice because I have tons of them, and and I have some hard time doing some some prioritization on that. Um, but after what everything that I heard, and um, I would probably say that the one that is inspiring me the most at this exact moment is what got you here. Is not exactly what will get you there, and what I mean with this is. Just because you are successful in having a company with 10 people, the sort of recipe that got you there is not the same thing that you're going to get you with 20 people or 30 or 40 or 100 or 200 or 500. So make sure that the company, the mindset, the processes, everything evolves with that company. Because if you get stuck in the past, you're going to suffer, you know, those growth pains that we all talk about, which just pretty mean just just means that you were not prepared to grow that fast. So if you actually are proactive instead of reactive, you won't need to face that sort of pain because you'll be ready for the sort of growth that you're that you're facing. Um, so that would probably be my my advice. But bear in mind that probably tomorrow to be a different one. But today is that. <laughs> That's awesome, and that's a very good way with ending with the first Rockefeller habits. Have a very healthy team, and your team needs to change from stage to stage. And having the courage to have the best team in place is really one of your main responsibilities uh, as a leader uh, across the organization. So that's the Rockefeller uh, habits. Number one, if you want to know the another nine, uh, you can go to scalapvalley.com uh, and look to our medium and to our blog and check out how you are doing uh, across those 10 Rockefeller habits and decide today what habit you want to start working uh, in the next quarter. So it was an amazing session. Uh, some of the benefits of really having everyone focus it on what is the priority number one of the company that we discussed it, focus, alignment, accountability, communication, the right to say um, no. And uh, that's it. So thank you so much, uh, Javier, Rui, and Pedro for the awesome show. And See you next week. Thank you. Thank you so much, guys. It was Thank brilliant. You. Bye, everyone.
Take care. Bye. Bye.